Hi, CityCast listeners. Divorces in Houston are meaner than ever, says one of Houston's top family lawyers. I'm talking today with Susan Myers, who's a former president of the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. It is Monday, August 15, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Susan, thank you so much for doing this today. Am I right in thinking that divorces in Houston and the rest of the country are maybe more contentious, meaner than ever? It feels that way to me at the very least. And I just finished uh, attending part of the advanced family law over in San Antonio. And it's been a recurring thing Mm -hmm. with judges, practitioners, mediators, uh, all people that interface with people that are going through their divorces or restructurings of their families, as we have now come to call it, Mm -hmm. uh, because not everybody's getting married. Uh, There is a contentiousness and, you know, in in completely legalistic terms, a meanness to what people are doing. Uh, it's, It's as though they've lost the capacity to have empathy for the other side and see a pathway of I don't want to say collaborating, but at least cooperating and compromising to everyone's best interest. Yeah. So let's start with some of the reasons why this is happening. So maybe very locally here in Harris County, it's taking longer than ever for divorces to go through the courts. It seems that the timing is longer, but in reality, Mm -hmm. I don't know that the statistics are going to bear us out. Uh, There are some courts that have a bigger backlog than others. But in Harris County, we've got 10 Mm -hmm. family law courts. And each of those family law courts have an associate judge that works for them. Down in Fort Bend, we have three, maybe three and a half family law judges. They too have associates. So if you are a judge that gets stuck with a couple of really gnarly time-consuming cases, that will show up as a backlog. But something that a lot of people don't realize that if clients want it, we can give them other alternatives. They could go to arbitration. Some of our judges have even started appointing, I'll call them visiting judges. That's really not a fair Mm -hmm. call to their title, but people that have previously been judges that can sub in and keep the cases going. Because, I mean, we're still a giant county and there are a lot of cases, not of new cases. And it's not just divorces. Yeah, so you don't have to be stuck in the meanness of actually getting the agreement hammered out. You may be stuck in the meanness, but you don't have to be stuck forever. (laughs) Okay, so let's go back to the meanness. Uh, What is going on? I mean, everything in the country seems a little meaner. Is it the political divide that's playing into this? You know, it's hard to say what the primary cause is, but one of the primary causes, it seems, at least from anecdotes, there is a lot of political divide. And and it's not just the politicians, although many think that's what it is. It's everyone thinks their opinion is superior to everyone else's. And that my right to my happiness should be superior to your right to your happiness. And um, to be correct, it's the politics, it's the internet bombshells of data that we cannot seem to turn off. Uh, The pandemic certainly didn't help. 
I mean, it put all of us in a place of fear of not being able to determine what's going to happen next. Am I going to have enough? Am I going to lose what I have? All of those factors have come into play. But when you watch your leaders or those that you want to be leaders, be out there saying some of the most outrageous, egregious things about each other and they get away with it, well, why wouldn't everybody else think they can too? So it's sort of the tone that's changed in the country, the ability to disagree with people. That's right. part of it. I mean, we've all, yeah. I mean, you look at the history, we've always disagreed with <laughs> everyone. Uh, we've disagreed. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's, it's our nature. And we've had wars and we've had horrible situations. But it seemed that, you know, post-Korea, we were getting to a place where we tried to find a way that we could all manage and all have our, you know, happiness and liberty and justice for all without, mm -hmm. without completely annihilating everybody else's rights. So could we maybe talk about some examples about how that shows up? Like, is it in custody? It's in custody, but it's not, it's not limited to custody. I'm seeing it in our property yeah. cases uh, it, in that if people want to go into their relationship and have their needs met and they are mm -hmm. consistently shot down with, you don't know what you're talking about. You can't possibly be thinking that or feeling that completely dismissing what that person is experiencing then it's easier to get out than try to tolerate. And it, I've got a few cases, a few of them have resolved, where people truly triggered a divorce over their conflict on vaccines and whether or not it was all real. And that kind of discussion, I mean, it, it's just, it, it amazed me. It simply amazed yeah. me. And the polarization that came into their homes from outside sources made people realize I'm just not going to live this way or really be um, almost territorial. And people literally believe this is a matter of life and death, that they could be infected and, and, or someone they love could die. Right. Yeah. So what about abortion? I mean, abortion oh. recently became illegal in Texas. How is that showing up in your practice? Oh. Oh my gosh, I see that as such a hot uh -huh. topic that has not shown up in an actual case yet. But let me give you some examples. We were just talking about this. Mm -hmm. But you think it's about to? Oh, oh, if it doesn't, it's only because they're not telling us, which is completely their constitutional rights. So let's say the couple is divorced. One of the parents is given the exclusive right to make medical decisions. The right to terminate a pregnancy is a medical decision The right for children. The right to um, provide so a child's for, pregnancy. If my daughter, sure, if my fourteen-year-old daughter is pregnant, that so if I have custody, I can make. You that have decision. that right. There's a parenting mm -hmm. right that has been given to one parent or the other, and they make that decision puts them at huge risk, huge risk of what happens. But we forget there's a little boy, probably a little boy, that's also involved in that very adult decision to have sex, which will then, at least logically for the rest of us, might produce a child. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What happened to their right to participate in a decision? There's gonna be child mm -hmm. support, parenting rights and duties, 
responsibilities for not, not 18 years, for about 20 years. So it's, I don't know that when the legislature thought this was a good plan, anybody thought about the what ifs. So worst case, we have a divorce decree or a parenting agreement that says mm-hmm. both parents have the right to participate in medical decisions. And if they don't have an agreement, is there a tiebreaker? It's it's struggling to figure out how how parents who in their own right and duty have have any control over what's going to happen to their children. Yeah. If a client mentions that she's considering a divorce and is asking your opinion about whether she has to tell her soon-to-be ex-husband, does that mean that you would be implicated under the Texas law? That you would be possibly someone who could be prosecuted? I have the same duty as the medical provider. You have a duty Mm -hmm. to explain options to your client. You know, I'm not the arbiter. I'm not the judge. I'm just the person that tells you what your options are. And that's gone. Wow. So let's back up and talk about some of the things that are leading to these more contentious divorces. The pandemic. I assume that at first people were sort of quarantining together in their houses or apartments. And that if your marriage had stress fractures, this really may have intensified the problems. Was that what you were seeing? That is what I was seeing, but I also saw, and I love the term you used of stress fractures. You know, stress fractures with too much pressure will annihilate the the, uh, product. Stress fractures that are surrounded by mutual forces will keep things together. So depending on the facts of that couple and family, the pandemic in several instances had the capacity to make them put pause on ending a relationship. And nobody can complain about that. Nobody, Nobody wants to celebrate when a marriage needs to be dissolved. So if everybody had a chance to put pause just to make sure, then I see that as a good thing. And then there were marriages and relationships where the, where the pandemic made things dangerous and it escalated for immediate oh. removal from each other. So if there was violence between the couple, that suddenly... Correct. Wow. So that's all over now, more or less? Oh, that's no. worked its way through? No? Okay. So what, no, what are you no. seeing? Well... Stressors, like the stress fracture, just it's a great analogy. It's not like it goes away, right? Yeah. <laughs> so each family, each couple, each individual is going to have their perceptions guide their thinking and their thinking then guides their decisions and their decisions. You know, we all have affirmation bias. Once someone makes a decision, they think it's the right decision and it's really, really hard to ever get them to pull back. So it's um, between the pandemic and then who's staying at home. We saw, I still see the consequence of parents who had the uh, opportunity to work remotely. And now those employers are like, well, you need to come back to the office. And they're like, 
but who's going to take care of after school stuff and who's going to, so there's a, a giant mm -hmm. swirl of, well, sh shouldn't you stay home to take care or can we alternate days, which each of us are going to come home early or whatever it is, you know, and that puts us back into the, are the, is the couple capable of seeing the value of each of them participating in child rearing, taking care of the home, taking care of the finances. And when they can't, conflict happens. Yeah. So let's go back to those high conflict divorces. How do you get to an agreement if people are at each other's throats, if they are angry or heartbroken or, you know, resentful? Is that on you? How do you do it? In the toolbox. I've got people and tools. So in the toolbox people, you've got therapists, you've got marriage counselors, you've got faith providers. Uh, sometimes you actually may need to get an MD involved in case there's some physiological issue that needs some medical treatment. Uh, you may want to enlist the help of, if the case is appropriate, you want, may wanna to try to do it in the collaborative fashion. Doesn't mean it's not in high conflict, it just means at least the two people can agree that their goal is to get an agreement and keep it out of the court system. And you'll see that with politicians and others that really do not want their laundry out there. And also you, my favorite kinds of couples are the ones who would rather send their children to college than mine. <laughs> right. So to keep the lawyer bills low. Right. Right. Uh -huh. To keep the, that because they've got a lot of stuff that they still have joint values on, you know, that they want to both be in the same row at their kid's wedding. They both want to help with graduation. They, they want to reduce the conflict for their families, even though they are in conflict. Mm -hmm. So collaborative is ideal for them as well. Um, so we've yeah. got in the toolbox, we've got mediation. Every one of our Harris mm -hmm. County and Fort Bend courts require mediation before you get any time with the judge. Nobody's going to be happy, but if they could be content with the resolution, that's a win. So we've got mediations, we've got arbitrations. Arbitrations, you hire somebody to be your judge, so to speak. You can do that for the whole case, but you could also do it for a single issue. So is the, the, the divorcing couple, they agree on an umpire, basically. It's probable that you will have lawyers that will be helping you and they can help give you suggestions on let's modify the rules of evidence a little bit so that we don't waste money doing things that we can all agree to. Those kinds of things. Yeah. Wow. That's a useful lesson in all of life. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Susan. This has been great. Always a pleasure. That was divorce lawyer Susan Myers. Now I'm here with producer Carly on Jones. Carly, what is happening around Houston today? Hey, Lisa. We've got a new restaurant alert, and I think you'll like this one. It's called Pacha Nikkei, and it will be bringing a fusion of Peruvian and Japanese food cultures into the belly of Houstonians. Now, this isn't the first time Nikkei cuisine has hit Houston. The original Pacha Nikkei actually opened at a food hall in Rice Village, but was one of the startup casualties from the pandemic and closed in November of 2020. But it's back in a new spot on Westheimer, and it looks like a great and yummy new dinner place. I'll drop it in the show notes for y'all. 
That's it for our show today. Tomorrow, we will be talking about how downtown has changed over the last 50 years. Talk with you then. That was Houston family lawyer Carly. <laughs> this is just not working. You could be a family lawyer, Carly, in my little world. <laughs>